We have endeavored in the ghostly little podcast to raise the ghost of an idea, which shall not put our listeners out of humor with themselves, with each other, or with us. May it haunt their houses pleasantly, and no wish to lay it. Welcome to Next Scene Podcast, the podcast taking on pop culture, one scene at a time. I'm your host, Sean. And I'm your other host, Brian. All right. Welcome, Brian. Welcome back, listeners. We are here for um, our holiday special. We have some uh, holiday special guests with us today from uh, the Princess Bride Minute and UHF 62nd Podcast. It's Tabitha and Jonathan Carlisle. Welcome. Hi. Hello. Thanks for having us. Well, thanks so much for for coming out on this uh, this brisk, cold, wintry night. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we've we've asked you here, and we've asked our listeners to join us for um, what's becoming an annual tradition: covering of holiday movies. And this year, the movie is The Muppet Christmas Carol. Yay! One of my favorites. Yay! <laughs> it's, yeah, one of mine as well. It's a, it's a classic, the immortal tale of Charles Dickens as told through the medium of Muppets. There's no better way. Yeah. <laughs> well, so let's I let's let's jump right into it. Uh, so we start off with, well, I, I actually I should do a, a little bit of introductions for our listeners. So what we've done is we've cut the movie down pretty much by song in a similar, a little bit different than what we did. I know when we did Scrooged, the the Bill Murray classic, we cut that down by the ghost, the ghost of Christmas, past, present, future. You got Marley and everything else. Um, we had to stretch it out. This the format of this film is a little bit different because um, we've got songs. It's the Muppets, and it wouldn't be Muppets without music, of course. And I didn't want to show favoritism. There's some sections of the movies that have multiple songs, particularly our our introductory section. So I I broke it up by song, and we do have. And then even then, there was exceptions to the exceptions because there's a couple parts where we don't have songs and there's even a song that was cut out of the film is now a deleted scene. And we'll, we'll cover that in a special episode, but so we're going to be covering this in eight parts, each of them about 10 minutes long. And then, um, well, actually nine, eight plus the, the one deleted scene. And so for our opening section, we, we start with our Walt Disney pictures logo and we're going to end up about 10 minutes in, with uh, Scrooge saying, one might say December is foreclosure season, season, harvest time for the moneylenders. So that'll be the extent of, of part one that we're covering today. Um, so as I said, we start with, we get a Disney Pictures logo. We have our Jim Henson production. And then we have uh, a, a, little, a little note, in loving, in loving memory of Jim Henson, and Richard Hunt, and this is the first, uh, the first Muppet movie following the passing of Jim Henson. Um, this so this is in 1992. Uh, Jim had passed a few years prior. This is the first film without him as the kind of creative force behind the movie, without him as the voice of of Kermit the Frog. So this was sort of a big step. Uh, there were a lot of firsts. Um, in this production, first without without Jim Henson, and 
Richard Hunt was another longtime, wasn't Jim Henson, but was a another longtime member of the Muppets family. And actually, uh, Richard and and Jim together did Statler and Wald, Wardorf, Waldorf, the original voices for Statler and Waldorf, uh, Richard and Jim. And uh, Richard had passed from uh, complications of AIDS and had died a year before the movies released. Uh, so, um, so this film is in loving memory of, of Jim Henson and Richard Hunt. And so we move on from, so that's a, you know, a, a bit of a somber note, but we move on into the magical world of Muppets. And, and right away we get the great music where this is a great score. We get a little bit of an overture, all these great songs, uh, particularly by Paul Williams, who's a longtime collaborator with the Muppets. And, and right from the start, I feel, I feel good. Like every year uh, come around Christmas time and I play this mu- this movie and I hear the music right away. I'm in. I'm transported to that the magical world of um, of merry old England and, and Muppets. Do you guys? What's you know? Are you? Do you guys get into this right away? The the same way I do when you hear this music. Um, I, I like it right away. It's a you know it's a long intro over the top, and so I kind of like <laughs> get to the Muppets. I'm ready for the Muppets. <laughs> so uh, yeah, when they finally kind of round the corner of the building, it's like oh yeah, we're in it, but. Um, but no, it's exciting. And yeah, Paul Williams is kind of a staple of Muppet movies. And mm-hmm. um, so that's exciting to to see his name on there. See, I like the long intro. I, I don't know. There's some the movies don't really do it anymore. And this one does it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get the does. nice title card. You, you get it, It's just a good beginning. It I does put you into are, the spirit. I assume these are miniatures, right? Of the, the buildings? Yeah. So this is... Um, so we're we're coming in over the London skyline. These are models. They're they were about three feet tall, and as we flow over them, they they move the camera very slowly to kind of help the scale. And it was interesting. They, so, uh, do we see those uh, throughout the movie, or, or did they make them just just for this intro? book, basically, no. We we see them. We'll, we'll see them again later. I'm trying to think. I know we see them at least one more time when the ghost of Christmas past takes uh, takes Scrooge and they fly off to travel back oh, yeah. to his uh, schoolboy days and they're flying over the city and they use the same models then. Mm-hmm. So That's I guess we, yeah, we're going to see them. They look great though. They look so good. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the detail is excellent. The, the version of the, the film I have, I have the, the 2005 DVD that has a commentary track with uh, the director, Brian Henson. And he, yeah, he talks about um, a, a, a lot of these really complicated shots and a lot of difficult things. And in particular in this, as, as the camera's pulling back, they're pushing the buildings into frame. Um, cause as you watch it, if you, if you kind of see like the, the buildings are kind of appearing right in your line of sight. And if you were just, you know, if you were flying or you were a bird, it, it, it would seem natural. But if you're a cameraman, uh, you know, pulling a camera back over three foot high models, you'd be, you'd be like Godzilla. You'd be trampling these models as you go. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really mm-hmm. interesting. I hadn't really thought about how they would do this. Um, and this is, uh, so it's, this came out in 1992, kind of really before 
computer graphics. There was some computer stuff, but it wasn't as big. I mean, most a lot of the stuff they do in this today, they would just be, oh, you just do it in a computer. But this is almost all, there's very little computer in this. It's a lot of practical effects and um, including all these, you know, the, these buildings, the skyline, the city, really well done. Yeah. And it sets the mood. I mean, just the snow tops, the town, you know, it just, it sets a perfect tone. All right. You convinced me. <laughs> <laughs> and I like the, I like the world of the Muppets and the way that the, uh, you know, we get these credits at the beginning and mm-hmm. all the, you know, the real people, we get Michael Caine as Scrooge, but the Muppets are all credited as, you know, Kermit as like, so just Muppets do a really good job of convincing you that the Muppets are characters if they are people mm-hmm. yeah it's not it's not this person is playing kermit that's playing bob cratchit it's kermit is bob cratchit yeah okay is scrooge mm-hmm. yeah yeah I I, I, yeah i really like that as well i know that the humans get their credit at the end but yeah in the beginning to get you into it miss piggy as as emily cratchit the great gonzo is charles dickens rizzo the rat as himself that's yeah good stuff to kind of bring you into this world. And then you see um, when we get down past, past the buildings and we get down to street level, we see the people and the Muppets mixing, um, you know, living together in peace and harmony um, as, as they would, as you would in the real world with, with Muppets and people. The transition is really nice from the models to the, to the actual full size set. Yeah. And this is, it's, you know, it, I, 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 you know, I, I want to, it, a lot of stuff they do is really cool, but then I kind of hesitate to talk about it because I don't want to really ruin the illusion, but these, these people that, you know, that this, this crew that works with these Muppets have really um, by this point or well before this, it really kind of perfected, perfected a technique. And this is so difficult. If you think about all the, the, the puppets, they have puppeteers. There actually are people behind the scenes. And like the puppets walking along, there's a puppeteer underneath that. So anytime you see a person and a puppet together, the person is on a platform and the puppeteer is like three feet below them holding up a puppet. Mm. Um, so it's it's got to be really challenging for the, for the puppeteers. And then for someone like Michael Caine, an actor who's usually not working in puppets, they've got to be mindful of the platform where they're standing. They take a wrong step and they're just going to fall off the edge <laughs> and they're going to end up down in the pit with, with the puppeteer, but they, they pull it off. It, it it's, it, it, they pull it off so seamlessly. I think it looks really great. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, you know, there, there's no one to, you know, I picked up a lot of things listening to the, the, you know, the commentary on the DVD things that like just, they're, they're totally invisible, you know, in the finished film. And again, it's it's almost all practical. There's, there's no computer graphics or anything. It's it's people with hand up hands up uh, puppets butts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we yeah, we I get a little. The, oh no, no! I was just gonna say it really does. It it just blends. Like you said, you just believe that this is just the world with the Muppets and the people, and you know, it's a winner. I mean, it, they really do a great job with all with setting just the, the tone and the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and the, and the the you know the people there they treat it as normal. They don't look askance or askew at, at these you know these felt creations that are wandering the streets. So I think we accept it because 
they accept it. Mm -hmm. These kids that are running around, do you think, I just wonder how much of these, these kids are just actors to do this, or if these are kids that are kind of in the world of the Muppets anyway, so that they're, they're used to the Muppets. Cause you know, it, it'd be very easy for kids to get distracted by the Muppets on set and kind of break the, break the, uh, the world, I guess, by trying to pay attention to stuff they're not supposed to pay attention to. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. What I've heard talking, talking to, or, or hearing interviews with actors who have worked with the Muppets, they say it's very natural that at first you're like, Oh my God, it's Muppets. But they're, they're kind of method. Like they, they, they stay in character. The puppeteers stay in character with the puppets. And so even when they're not filming, like but but between takes, the actors have talked about how they end up talking to the puppet. You end up looking at the puppet, looking the puppet, you know, in the eye, addressing the puppet, and it helps forget, you know, it's very immersive, it's very method, so that people forget there's puppeteers behind the puppets. They're just dealing with the puppets. So I'm there's there's probably some of that to help um, you know, even children kind of just get comfortable with, hey, this is you know, these are just more people, quote unquote, people that are around that are working with us in this scene and less, um, you know, become less starstruck by the fact that you're, you know, you've got Gonzo and Rizzo and, and Kermie and, and all these other, you know, big stars around you. Um, so the, the, the first character we really get introduced to, uh, we've got uh, Charles Dickens as played by Gonzo, the great Gonzo and, and Rizzo the Rat. Um, as himself, and this is like th the genius. And one of the, the one of the reasons that I I love this film so much, aside from the the Muppets and they're they're great, but this really is one of the most faithful adaptations of A Christmas Carol. One of the in, in terms of television or, or movies, and and part of it is having that narrator and having it natural. It, it doesn't. I think if this was just voiceover. Uh, it it might be a little more awkward, but having a narrator and a lot of the lines, it's very similar, either taken directly from uh, Charles Dickens or slightly adapted, but it's a lot of the the words and descriptions from the book itself um, are you know for the lines for for Gonzo, so it it keeps it it gives it a very Dickens Dick, Dicksonian. I don't know if that's a word. But it gives it a very <laughs> gives it a very Dickens feel because a lot of it, you know, in addition to the the dialogue that the characters speak, but the descriptions um, of the narrator that we have with Gonzo, and that works. You know, if you had, I think, if you had a person doing this, like that'd be weird to have like a person following Scrooge around and following the action, but having a Muppet follow, you know, having a Muppet following Michael Caine around. Uh, Victorian England, that just kind of, yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. I, you know, <laughs> it, you know you, you're, you're kind of in that magical world already because of the Muppets. And so when they start doing magical things. Yeah. And it, and it works there. well. Gonzo and Rizzo, I, I think are a good pair. Um, you know, they use them for narrating other things um, as well. Like we had a, a Muppets, it was like a Muppets fairy tale type of oh yeah yeah thing oh man it was when my kids were just babies like early 2000 it VHS. was it was on vhs <laughs> and that was gonzo yeah. and rizzo they were the 
the hosts of that that thing too. Um, but now, where do we fall there, with them? It was a good combo. Now, Sean, I know you love the Muppets mm -hmm. in general, but now where 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 does everybody else fall as far as Muppet, the Muppet universe? Let's call them. I love the Muppets. I always I always have. I grew up watching the Muppet Show. Um, okay. You know, I still have like the Kermit the Frog that I got when I was two years old and that has like the Velcro hands, his body's kind of felt like and has these Velcro <laughs> hands and feet that you can position, you know, on them in different ways and stuff. I still have that. Um, so I've always been, I've always been a huge Muppet fan. Okay. I remember, I I remember watching the Muppet show when I was a kid, but uh, I think I, I was also an avid watcher of Sesame Street. So mm -hmm. I kind of yeah. mixed the two. Um, as far as like you know favorite characters and stuff but then but then also the muppet babies cartoon i was big into that too yeah hmm, okay i guess i'm alone that i'm not a huge muppet fan it's no. fine they're fine i mean this is a good movie but i'm not like a diehard muppet uh maniac mm -hmm. really i will say i'm i don't love everything like some all right of the come on that this is gonna be good. Me and you guys. <laughs> and it's it's uh it's mostly just the movies, like the some of the earlier movies. Uh, I I just don't. They're fine, but I mm -hmm. I fall asleep during them. You know, I don't. I don't right. Know. And I'm All more right. iffy on some of the newer stuff. Like I love the Muppets, but there's some newer things that come out that I'm just like, uh, oh, that felt mm -hmm. a little disappointing. Or I really have to get used to Kermit's voice sounding different again. Or you <laughs> oh, know gosh. something, and it just like it kind of. You know, there, there is like a new, uh, like a pretty recent. A yeah, the, there's a pretty recent show now, right? That just came on. There was. I don't know or, if it's still out. Yeah, on uh, on Disney Plus. So yeah, I was oh, I, right. I was wondering about that. Like, if you guys have seen that and and what you think. I think it's uh, Muppets Now. We watched is, is the name of it. a couple episodes of it. I think we gave it a try, and when that was first, about as far as we went. When it with first it. came out, <laughs> and I felt kind of sad that I didn't want to continue watching it. But different things yeah. pop up here and there, and I'm just like, oh, that was fun. Sometimes they're just like little shorts, you know, on YouTube or mm -hmm. something, you know, that can be a lot of fun. Um, I really like Pepe, one of the newer <laughs> characters. Pepe, I, he's like one of my favorites, you know, of the kind of add-on characters, you know, that aren't part of the classic. And mm -hmm. um, uh, on the on the Muppets website, yeah, well, hey, this might have been like. 2005 but they had a bunch of little shorts on there and uh pepe at the drive-thru is, is pretty funny little skit that is funny if you can never find that one it's it's uh that's funny so it's interesting that you mentioned pepe so i wonder if you have seen and what you think of the muppets wizard of oz from 2005 i mm, we have seen that we have seen it but i think i've only seen it once <laughs> and so I don't, I, I don't remember as much about that because I think we saw it was like on TV or something and that, um, I never, we never bought it or anything. So like Pepe really got solidified for me, I think, um, in Muppets from space. Mm -hmm. And that's where he really, just when he says things like, I'm going to speck you, I'll speck you like a Bebet Tokyo K. I just, I just, okay, you're my favorite now. I can't. <laughs> yeah, I just want to say, I don't know. I, I, I've only discovered it recently. I, I noticed, again, go, I have the, the, my, my DVD copy of The Muppet Christmas Carol. 
uh, is from 2005. And I just recently noticed that it had a trailer on the disc. One of the specials is some, you know, some trailers. It has a trailer for the Muppets Wizard of Oz, which was a TV movie. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I checked it out for the first time. And it's it's weird for folks that haven't seen it. It's so Ash- Ashanti, uh, the singer, is Dorothy Gale. And then when she ends up in Oz, kind of Pepe the Prawn is sort of the her Toto. Mm-hmm. Play, plays like the, the Toto part is sort of like her an, animal companion going through um through Oz. It's it it's it's very weird. <laughs> I didn't I haven't watched the whole thing yet. I've watched bits of it. Um, but it's so what Kermit is the the scarecrow, Fozzie's the cowardly lion, Gonzo is the yeah, tin man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh is Miss Piggy the witch? Or she's like, Glenda, well, uh, Miss Piggy like is a dual role. She's like the good witch and the bad witch, right? Oh, okay. I was trying to remember because it's been so long. Yeah, it is I the kind of. We thing. were really excited. We saw it on TV when it came out, um, and I don't think that I've seen it since then because I was a, I was kind of like, eh, that's fine. I mean, it sounds great. You're like, hey, I love Wizard of Oz. I love Muppets, and then you put them together, and it's like. Eh. I think that, you know, we see that it's a TV movie. It wasn't a theatrical release that it's maybe yeah. if you see it once, that's that's enough. But yeah. But anyway, I mentioned that because um, Pepe's kind of pretty big in that. And you'd mentioned being a, a Pepe yeah. fan. Yeah, I do like, I um, do like some of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of characters and backing up just a just a second there. What are your feelings on New Zealand? The uh, you throw the fish away. <laughs> And it comes back to you because he's in he's in almost yeah. every Muppet movie doing that mm-hmm. bit and used to do it on the Muppet show. Um, so are you do you guys like New Zealand or are you kind of like, I just don't get it. What's with this guy? I like it. What do you what do you think, Brian? It's it's yeah, it's funny. I like it. I, it, it it's off, you know. Yeah. It's one of those things you kind of or I kind of expect it. You know, as you said, it, it's. It's it's a it's a repeating gag. It's kind of one of those things they known for. He's not there's not a lot there as a character. So mm-hmm. it's good that he's not like he's not one of the ghosts. We don't see a lot of him, but just to kind of throw him in. And there are a lot of little things that little little bits they throw in. And it's none of them miss for me. Like you know, they're, they're the things that I remember, the lines that I repeat all the time. You know, the the things that are great, but even the things that aren't great are at least good. I don't think there's any any gags or any bits in this that I would say are, are total misses. And, and I mean, in terms of, is it appropriate for specifically this? It's like, well, there, if they had fish in, yeah. you know, in uh, 1800s or whenever this is set, you know, so it's not, it's nothing mechanical. It's nothing sort of out of context any more than, you know, nowadays having a, you know, in, in 2020, I think a, a boomerang fish it makes just as much sense now as it did in the 1840s or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, (laughs) it fits right in there in the marketplace, I think. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I think it, 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 it's great. You know, there's going to be, there's going to be a few reminders that this is a film, you know, this is a film that can be enjoyed by adults, but this is a kid's film. This was made with kids in mind. And as we say, so we're, we're like three and a half minutes in, and we're just getting into the movie proper with that that long sequence of 
going over the skyline and, and having the you know sort of the overture with little bits of of the songs and everything. So if you know for little kids, you want to throw in some gags, kind of get their attention, saying, "Hey, stuff is happening on the screen now. Settle down in your seats and and stop talking and pay attention to the movie." Mm-hmm. Um, they, they do a good job, I think, with the setup of trying to kind of giving that um, dirty London feel. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. there too, you know, like even um, they don't have like somebody, you know, throwing their uh, bedpan, bedpan <laughs> <I guess. laughs> chamber pot, chamber pot, that's yeah, chamber pot. Yeah. but they're throwing banana peels out the window, you know, and stuff and shaking their rugs out. And, you know, you just kind of get a little bit of that. Um, they, I think they do a good job of. Well, I, I did some uh, research on, on dirty London and uh, yeah, they, they definitely don't show a lot of the stuff that I read about in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> no cesspools or anything like that. But I feel like in a charming way, yeah, yeah. they kind of get a little bit of that. And yeah, it definitely feels like a street and not like a clean back lot or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does feel very urban, very crowded, very dirty, um, as as it would have been. The, the costuming, and I don't know if there's... I'll, I'll look into a little bit more. I don't know if there's different costume people, like a different costume department for people versus Muppets, because they're both an excellent job, both the, the mm-hmm. Muppet costumes and the people costumes. But, you know, they they, they, they blend right in with the kind of the, the feeling and the time that they're trying to, to set up for us here. Oh, mm-hmm. I mean, all that is just that's some of the best things of the movie is just how everybody looks. Like I said, the setting, the tone, the atmosphere. Yeah, I agree. Um, real quick in this, in this whole uh, cityscape shot, whatever we get, we get to see the sign for pig and grapes tavern. And it's pretty prominent as we're going through the street. Is mm-hmm. there, is there a joke there? Like pig and grapes? Is there some kind of pun that I don't, hmm. it just seems, it seems like there should be something. Either I just don't get it, or they just threw a name on there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, pigs. I understand there's there's pig muppets, but yeah, pigs and grease. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I know that there there definitely are some some references and some gags in the signs, like the uh, so like one of the things we see there's a uh, Duncan and Kenworth, uh, or sorry, Duncan and Kenworthy booksellers, and Duncan Kenworthy. Uh, was a producer and one of the creators of Fraggle Rock. So like the Duncan and Kenworthy booksellers, that sign is is definitely a little, um, right. a, you know, a, a little Easter egg. Um, yeah, I don't know about the, was it Pigs and Grape? Oh yeah, the Pigs and, Pigs and Grape Tavern. I don't know, does Miss Piggy have a thing for grapes? <laughs> well we we do i guess yeah. i don't remember if it's in our section but in the movie we do see a lot of like talking food so i guess yes. they don't from to my memory they don't show it in the movie but it would be kind of funny if someone went in the tavern and the owners were a pig and a pile of grapes <laughs> a pig and a grape yeah yeah a bunch of grapes. <laughs> that would work or all the all the customers are pigs and grapes yeah, that's what I imagine it is. But I yeah, I don't I haven't found anything specifically referencing to what what that joke might be. All right, I guess I'll have to let it go. Yeah, look into that. <laughs> we'll look into that. Maybe we'll have something for you next time. Um, so we get into it. Uh 
Charles Dickens kind of gives us a little introduction. And this is um, interesting. This So this is the first uh, Muppet movie where Kermit is not the lead character. Our lead character is going to be Scrooge. And our opening song is all about is, is an introduction to to Scrooge for again for children who may not be familiar with the tale and and not familiar with with Scrooge as a character. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I oh go ahead go ahead. Uh, last night I read the first chapter of A Christmas Carol and I had never read it before. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, you're right, they do a good job with putting in exact quotes and they do a good job of like when Rizzo says, "Oh, is it getting cold in here?" and it references it in that chapter that, um, you know, Scrooge carried cold in his own, is it, did they say like his own wind with him? Something like that, but like he carried cold with him, you know, it felt colder when mm-hmm. you were around him. So I thought that was a good reference. Let's see, yeah, as he came, but I really liked, you know, just how close they stayed to the book on a lot of things. Yeah, there's there's a line like the, the cold within him froze his old features, uh, you know, nipped his pointed nose, Shriveled his cheek is one of the lines from, um, from the book. Great song too. Mm-hmm. And they do a Just, good job of making the the walk look actually slippery. Like you feel like when he yeah. rounds that corner, like he could actually just like slip out. You know, as yeah, right out from underneath him. Yeah, I mean this whole and this is all. Um, this is all in the studio. This is not filmed. This was not filmed on location. So this is all in a studio. I don't know, like the the snow doesn't necessarily always look like real snow, but other than that, like this looks like this looks like a street. This it looks a lot bigger mm-hmm. than than it is when they describe it in um, in the commentary. Brian Henson talks about all these sets being really small, a lot smaller than they appear, but they they um, they, they build a big a big world. Um, and I should say those this was filmed at Shepperton Studios in Jolly Old England and this is actually the uh, the second version of a Christmas Carol to be filmed at the studios uh, 1970s Scrooge. Uh, let me just double check is that the one with Albert Finney? Yep, that's so. That's the with yeah the Albert Finney 1970 Scrooge was also filmed at uh, Shepperton Studios in uh, Surrey, England, and a, a couple other uh, films. Interesting people might have heard of some bits of Star Wars in 1977 were filmed there. Flash Gordon in 1980 uh, filmed there, and a little film called The Princess Bride mm. um, in Ooh. 1987 also filmed. Uh, or at least listed on the Shepperton Studios Wikipedia page. Well, I have heard of that movie. So you may have, yeah. <laughs> it's it's all connected. <laughs> it doesn't take too much to uh, imagine like a Muppets pr- Princess Bride, or just imagine Muppets in the Princess Bride. Yeah. Oh, well, yes. That might be the only acceptable remake of that <laughs> film that I that I wouldn't outright protest. <laughs> Well, can I? De- I definitely see like some of the like the um, the the puppet they use for uh, the Ghost of Christmas Past, or or also um, from the first Muppet movie, Jack. Um, you know that that is something f- as um, you know the Andre the Giant part. 
Mm-hmm. Or Sweetums. Yeah. Or yeah, Sweetums. Sure. There yeah. you go. Um, I could definitely see, and that's and it, yeah. it's it's another one. It's it's a you know it's a fairy tale. It's a fantasy. You're in a, a fantastic world, so the Muppets would would fit right in mm-hmm. in that instance. Yeah, I, I I think I'd go for I think I'd vote for Sweetums in that. Anybody want to be yeah yeah uh, i have a question mm-hmm. uh when scrooge steps into the puddle uh let's see on on this bit of chunk that we have it's five minutes and 47 seconds but uh there is a like a fuzzy porcupine looking thing and then there's another little thing sitting next to him and what what is that thing because I, th- <laughs> I think we i think he pops up like all over in the city like he's just sitting on things and just sitting in different areas and I, I don't know what I don't know what it's supposed to be. It's like a little character, but I don't know if it's representative of some kind of animal. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm playing it. Let me see if I can see. At five forty-five, you say it, it looks like a chubby Pepe almost, but not not really. <laughs> five forty-seven. Uh, yeah. It's really in the puddle. See, I just took it as more like kind of a world-building thing. It's just it's just another. Creature that lives around there. That's kind of got, yeah. Um, and it was maybe just a stray dog, a naked mole rat. <laughs> <laughs> it almost looks like a like a like a fuzzy clam. <laughs> I don't know if I can say that. I may have to. I may have to bleep that out. But I, I see what you're saying. Like it does look like. It's got some like relation, like like there's like I get kind of a peppy vibe. Like there is some relation there, um, some kind of crustacean or sea life. Yeah, he's very fuzzy though. Yeah, yeah. And I probably well, won't like- even ask, but I know that we, we <laughs> even in this chunk we see him. I think he's sitting on a beam. Like he's like one of the first creatures that we see as we go into the city street. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, it might not be the same one. Maybe yeah, they maybe they're like rats but they're just yes. like different kinds of london is infested with them right? yeah we see a lot of different animals like the um the dog from fraggle rock uh mm-hmm. kind of make as like a brief little appearance is like has his head sticking out of one of the windows and the and turkey from uh, muppet family christmas is on there mm-hmm. as well it's the one that pops out although he talks and is you know kind of different yeah. in the Muppet family christmas but it's the same turkey and again, this movie in the, in ten minutes, it, I mean, it just sets everything up perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just like that the uh, for his intro song, like Scrooge isn't really involved. You know, it's everybody else around him, mm-hmm. and he's just kind of plowing his way through. Yeah, you don't even see his face. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, to note on that, it was it really interesting. So this whole, um, yeah, I mean, the whole song is about Scrooge. This is all about introducing him, and it's him as he's walking through the city, but where the, the camera, our eye level is kind of at Muppet height. So we just kind of see his knees or we see him from behind. It's maybe eight minutes in before, I think like as he's about to enter the office of, of Scrooge and Marley, that he turns around and looks back at all this frivolity that he's been walking through um, when we like first that. see him. Yeah. Because I think it makes him seem more menacing in the beginning because you don't know what he looks like. Because Michael Caine has such a kind face <laughs> that, I mean, he does a really good job in the movie. But like when basically our first introduction to him actually, you know, 
and seeing his face is him talking and humbug and being grumpy right away. So that then, you know, really continues to solidify that where maybe if we saw his kind face first, you know, I don't know if it would be, it probably would still be as believable, but maybe it wouldn't be, you know, it just kind of, I think it helps to just kind of keep that whole uh, menacing movement going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause also, I mean, he's coming off of, I mean, he's, he, you know, he, he was a name. He had done some stuff. He's come, you know, he'd done um, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels in 88 and uh, Jaws, The Revenge in 87. So, yeah, he might have been a little bit too familiar if you see him right away. Then you're thinking, you're not thinking Scrooge, you're, you're thinking Michael Caine. But they do a really good job of of laying that down. And, yeah, this is like, this is one of those tricky sequences because as, um, as, as Kane is walking through the city and we see Muppets on either side, this is one of the, the parts that, that Brian Henson was talking about where he's, he's on a very narrow platform or plank that, that uh, Michael Kane is walking down and he's got a steep drop to a three foot drop at either side of him to make room for the puppeteers that are holding the Muppets that he's walking mm-hmm. past through the sequence. Um, but they said he did, Michael just went in and you know and did it he's a professional yeah yeah um and so let's well let's let's talk a little bit about michael kane one of the things he said um when he was kind of when they were just starting out and doing read-throughs and rehearsals and one of the things that um that brian henson relayed that michael said to him and i think this has been um you know reported otherwise and repeated that just his take was he's gonna play it seriously he said, uh, this is a, a quote from Michael. I'm going to play this movie like I'm working with the Royal Shakespeare Company. I will never wink. I will do, do, never do anything Muppety. I'm going to play Scrooge as if it is an utterly dramatic role and there is and there are no puppets around me. And I think that's really the, the key. You know, the, the key to working with Muppets is you have to treat them as other actors. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in, in general, and then in particular in this part, to be Scrooge, you got to be you got to be Scrooge. Mm-hmm. Smart. Yeah. Smart to do it that way. Yeah. Oh, I guess we do see his face when he first rounds the corner. I didn't realize that. Is it's there another? Quick, it's pretty quick. Like when he first comes around, when, when Gonzo says, um, he's going to come around that corner. Um, his face is kind of shaded a bit, but you can, you do see his face, but then that's, that's it until he gets to the his door. Yeah, but it yeah, it's in the shadows. Yeah, you don't really get a good so look. So he at still it then, looks but... he still looks menacing. Yeah, right. He he, he doesn't look happy. Yeah, and this unhappy. is the first movie I ever saw Michael Caine in. So this okay. was my introduction to him. This is, so this is your introduction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I'll I'll take that segue to say so what's what's your history? We've talked a little bit about Muppets in general, but specifically. This film, specifically the Muppets Christmas Carol, what, um, like, yeah. So, what's your history with the film, and what role does this play in your yearly holiday traditions? Um, I, I think that I saw this movie. I'm in '92. I would have been in high school, mm-hmm. about a sophomore. So, I, I remember seeing this in high school. We must have saw it right around when it came out. I know we didn't see it in the theater because we didn't go to the movies often, but, um, you know, I'm sure we rented it as soon as it was out to rent. And um, uh, so it's always been 
uh, it's always been something that I've watched at Christmas. And um, I think there were a few years when we were, we had it on VHS and we had gotten rid of our VCR <laughs> that we might've missed watching it. But now I think we watch it just every year at Christmas as part of our rotation. Yeah. It's uh, it's one of my favorite versions of the story. It, I mean, it may actually be my favorite version of the story. Um, I think I like it so much just because it is, it's, it's Muppety, but it is also purposefully honorable to the source material. And I think, I think that's my favorite kind, you know, whenever a band does a cover of another song, that's my favorite kind of cover is like, you know, the original song is in there, but it is their, their take on that song. Like I don't, if somebody does a cover of a song and it sounds exactly like the original, I don't really care for that. And if they completely change it so it's not even recognizable, then it's, you know, it might be a fine song, but it's not really a cover, you know? So I think this, to me, this is my my favorite version of a an adaption or a, a cover is, uh, yeah, like the story's, the story's there. Uh, like you guys keep mentioning, the tone is mm -hmm. there. They don't really shy away from from that when it when it get, comes down to it. And uh, but it, they still manage to be funny and serious at the same time. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. And I know what you're saying. I'm I'm a big fan. I like to collect. I think a, you know a good song is a good song, and I kind of like to collect covers to have a lot of different bands doing the same song. But it's it's best when if it's a, a soft song that's like covered by a heavy metal band and they make it heavy metal or they take a hard song that's covered by an acoustic band or just take, you know, take a rock and roll song and do it ska or, you know, just completely switch it up where it's, it's still the same song, but they really do something different. Those are my favorite covers. And this is, yeah. I mean, you take 19th century Dickens to Muppets is a pretty big change. And yeah, it kind of goes along with, I mean, one of my, my this is definitely in my top two uh, Christmas Carol adaptations. And then the other one in that top two would be Scrooge with Bill Murray, which is another one that really, it's a different, which is, is uh, really switches it up in, in some different ways and is a lot different in, in that aspect where this is, um, yeah, but this, it, it, it travel, it, it kind of skirts that line. It, it's faithful where it needs to be. And then it's, muppety where it can in, in just the right way yeah it's it is probably my favorite adaption of this um yeah. bill murray of course that is a great one but this mm -hmm. probably is my number one. Oh, okay okay all right we're winning you over brian it's not a must watch that's for sure like i don't put it on every year but i mean as far all as right. adaption goes but I, I and I wouldn't watch Scrooge either with Bill Murray. So I mean, it, maybe I just you know, I guess that the Christmas Carol is not my top watches. All right. Well, I think I think for me this is probably one of my favorites is because it. I think you can you can do the Christmas Carol story and everyone mm -hmm. knows what you're doing. But I think there's a lot of different versions where, at the end, Scrooge makes the change, and the way they did it doesn't really make sense or he's just this bad person. And then at the end, he's like, oh, I'm good. <laughs> you know, I saw my gravestone and now everything's changed. It's like, well, you know, so I, I like it when it, it takes you through. I think Scrooge does the same thing where it actually makes you believe like, oh, okay, this person could start off this way and then go through these events and then turn into something else at the end. And not just like, 
here's the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that kind of one of my my main complaints or the one thing that I that never really snapped with me with with the original Christmas Carol is is that transition and is it believable that he's going to go from so bad to so good? Um, and one of the things I liked about Scrooge was Bill Murray is they they do a little bit more with how he gets into work and, and, and dedication to his job kind of pulls him away from family and friends and lovers kind of pull, you know, he, that the job relationship overshadows all the other relationships and kind of shows how he gets to where he is. So then you can see the path back. So I think that that film is really good at that. And I think that the transition, the growth we see, and, and, and part of it is Michael Caine can act. Um, and I know he's, <laughs> he's become a little bit of a punchline, like, cause he will do anything. Like if you pay him, He's an actor. Work is work. He will show up and he will work and it's not always good, but that doesn't mean he can't do good. That just means he's a professional and he likes making money. But if you give him, if you know, if you pay him to do something bad, he will do it. He will take your money. But if you pay him to do something good, he can do good. And I think this is one of the, one of the times that he, he does good and he, he, he brings the goods um, and he helps sell that character and the, the steps along the way. That it's not just bad, 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 and then suddenly at the end, oh, I'm going to be good. But you can kind of, I, I get the transition. I feel th- the movement through the film with Michael Caine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So one of the things I want to talk about is, do you have, I think there's a lot of great lines. There's a lot of bits of this, uh, of the, the film that I quote that kind of made it into my everyday vernacular. But do you have a... Um, well, t- you know, Tabitha and Jonathan, do you have a kind of a favorite line, something from this first section particularly, or what's like your favorite line from from the film? Is there anything anything that you quote often that's kind of made it into your everyday language? Uh, one of them probably that I think we both really like is when the it's it's right after our minute or our mm. chunk here today is the. Um, when the rats go heat wave. <laughs> <laughs> this is our island in the sun. In the sun. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, we always like that. We, um, we always say that. And okay, we don't always say that, but we'll quote that. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's, uh, I'm sure there's some other ones. It's, it's nothing I quote ever, but as far as our chunk here, uh, I don't know, chunk is that copyrighted by, maybe I shouldn't say chunk. But uh, uh, is the 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 wordplay with the the mice? Yes. So they, at one point they say the mouses, and then later on they say you know no cheeses for the mises. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that so that that was going to be my line. That's the one that really stands out for me, and uh, it's the the lyrics in the song. So there's in one section it's us poor folk live our poor folk live in misery. It's even worse for mouses. Or I should probably back it up so you actually get the rhyme. <laughs> um, it's the undisputed master of the underhanded deed. He charges folks a fortune for his dark and drafty houses. Us poor folk live in misery. It's even worse for mouses. And then there's a little mouse that says, please, sir, I want some cheese. <laughs> um, and then and then later on, it's don't ask him for a favor because his nastiness increases no crust of bread for those in need. No cheeses for us Mises. And that <laughs> that yeah, that was that was going to be my line. The the no cheeses for us Mises. I think that's my my favorite of the 
the, the chunk. Um, how about you, Brian? Do you have a, a favorite lyric from uh, from the no, Scrooge I, opening I, number, a favorite I line? Mean, I, I think I've only seen this movie maybe twice. <laughs> I, I'd have to watch it more. I'm going to have to strap you down and hold your eyes open, <laughs> exactly. Clockwork Orange style, and just play this on a loop for a few days. And All right, we'll, fine. we'll yeah, get we'll, it into your system. We'll get it into exactly. you. I do really like the. I was trying to trying to fast forward through the movie and think of something. Mm-hmm. I really do like the. Uh, it's the American way, and then <laughs> oh, it, it is the British way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a good one too. Yeah, and and one of the things they can do that ordinarily really bugs me in movies, but it works when it's Muppets is those kind of gags. And you mentioned like the, the the bit with the rats that'll be in the next section that like they can, they can go back and forth between the serious Christmas Carol story and the fun Muppet stuff. And like, I never, it never brings me out of them. Always able to go right back into the serious stuff. And part of it is Michael Caine is, you know, the, the, like the rats, the, the 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 parts that are being played for fun, like the rats, are always fun, and then the serious part, Scrooge, is always serious. So it's not necessarily characters flipping back and forth; it's just our focus, kind of moving between characters. Mm-hmm. Um. So so after we we wrap up our our introductory song, Scrooge goes into uh into his place of business with the. Uh, Scrooge and Marley sign out front, and there's one. I guess it's one of his tenants who's who's in there asking for forgiveness on his mortgage, and gets literally and physically thrown out the door, and then says, "Thank you for not yelling." <laughs> yeah. But then, and that so that that kind of wraps it up for for this chunk, and we end with with Scrooge giving us sort of his take on this holiday season. One might say December is foreclosure season. Harvest time for the moneylenders. And you meet Bob Cratchit in this um, in this scene too. Did we mention that already? Oh, no, no, we didn't. It's our, we should, we, it's our we introduction should, to Bob, Bob Cratchit. We should say, yeah, so this is uh, the, the, the Scrooge office is manned, I don't know, populated by many rats working away, doing the books. And and Bob Cratchit, as played by Kermit the Frog, addressing his his boss. Mm-hmm. One thing I'd like to know, and I was just thinking, like a technical thing, like how they did the stack of papers. Mm-hmm. Like if it's just like a stack of papers on a thing that somebody else is carrying, or if they somehow have something really light that looks like a stack of papers, or that's just some of the little things that I just love so much about Muppets. Is just how they're able to do everything. Yeah, I, just it, everything. <laughs> it, it is amazing. And a lot of these things are are multiple puppeteers. So you'll have someone who's got their hand up in the puppet and maybe someone else is, um, you know, working the arms. One interesting, a lot of interesting trivia thing um, that, that Brian mentions in the DVD commentary is, most of the Muppets are left-handed. And the reason for that is most of the puppet puppeteers are right-handed. So if the, if the Muppet is being worked by a single puppeteer, they'll have the right hand in the body. So that's moving the, the puppet around and working the mouth. And then if the arm is sort of on the end of a stick, that'll be in the left hand. 
of the puppeteer. So the right-handed puppeteer becomes a left-handed Muppet. So most of the Muppets are left-handed. Yeah, I'm, I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's like, yeah, they've got. The, I'm, I'm guessing that the the stack of papers were probably glued together so that they don't all fall apart. But there may have been like auxiliary puppeteers to help work yeah. the arms in that case. Um, yeah, I know one of the things you mentioned also a lot of times, like for the, and we're getting a little head, but like the rats, when you see the feet, when you see the whole body, those are remote controlled. Um, oh. So they do a lot of stuff with remote control, or they'll do a combination of um, on strings or on poles or like a, a stick to move the arms, but then have the feet like remote controlled and stuff to help move stuff around. So they really do get complex with multiple elements and multiple puppeteers um, working these things. But yeah, when you see, yeah, Kermit the Frog with his arms out holding a stack of papers, how does he do that? You um, know, I was just looking at that and I, I bet the stack of papers, they just have Kermit's fingers on the one side in the, the way that they hand it off. You just don't see it. Mm. And so mm. you know, his puppet is not holding it. It just looks like he is because his fingers are just under. That's that. really good. Yeah. Oh. I, betcha. I betcha. Sneaky. Wait, poor Kermit. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's like the really cool thing. Yeah. About, it is really cool. It's like the magic trick of, you know, when, when when you have CG and people that know CG, CGI stuff, whenever they're they're watching for the handoff, you know? If, yeah. If, if the real person is handing an item to a CG character, they're watching that transition. And, you know, Muppets do transitions seamlessly so that we just automatically believe that the, uh, this person is handing this pile of papers to this Muppet, and then he's handing it off to a bunch of other little Muppets, and mm-hmm. there's no problem with that. Yeah, I think cause you're exactly right. That's what it they did. That's awesome. Yeah, because the, yeah, the, the paper, the side that the outside where we see Muppets' hands, that's the side that's up against... Scrooge's coat so we don't see that side when he's holding it we only see that Mm -hmm. when he hands it off and then suddenly there's the little green hands yeah sneaky yeah and then there there are some scenes and we'll we'll talk about later in in later sections where they do there is some blue screen work and there is some overlaying of video and composite shots to put stuff together but a scene like this is there's the human actor and the puppet actors really interacting um, to give it that real feel. Mm-hmm. Oh, good eye, good stuff. Um, so as we, and so that kind of brings us to the end of our our first chunk of the film and our first episode of our holiday special. And any other thoughts on this section or uh, or the Christmas Carol as a whole? Oh, I uh, just a couple. I don't know if the thoughts. Just a couple other things I noticed in in there. Mm-hmm. Um, they had the like a Punch and Judy show. And although it was like, more like a Punch and Alligator show. And so I just looked that up to see like, you know, uh, anything about that. And I didn't realize that it's so old. I guess it's like associated with um, traditional British culture. And maybe if you have, you know, Niall or anybody on, they can tell you more. But um, the first recorded appearance of a Punch and Judy show was in England on May 9th, 1662. Oh, wow. I did not know it was that old. Yeah. So it's really, I guess it was like a pretty big thing. In the early 1800s, it was kind of like at its height of Punch and Judy shows. And like it came to the U.S. too, like recorded George Washington went to a Punch and Judy show. Are you talking about that puppet show? Yeah, where the the guy, yeah, comes out and like 
beat someone with a stick and <laughs> things. Yeah, so classic humor. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of like a switch from like marionette um, work to um, hand puppet yeah. um, work. So it kind of became because marionettes were like so bulky the whole big show. So it kind of um, made its way. And, yeah, that's really and that's yeah. right about the the seven minute mark from the beginning. And that's really interesting because it's 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 a puppet. It's a Muppet working a puppet. Mm-hmm. So that's a fun little thing. And it's it's a it's it's really quick. It's, it's as Scrooge is walking through the streets. It's one of the things he walks past. So it's a few seconds, but it's yeah, an interesting little thing of yeah, the, a, a punch and Judy like puppet show, but it's being worked by another puppet. So it's fun. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. It's just fun overall, this whole scene. I mean, they, they put so much into, you know, this opening mm-hmm. segment, things that you only just see for a, you know, a couple seconds or less. And um, it, it's really impressive um, between the whole just open market scene and when Scrooge is walking through. So I just think it's it's a lot of work and <laughs> so impressive for just seeing things for a few seconds. It's good. Yeah, it's one of the things I particularly like about the Muppets is the the amount of work that they put in the and the attention to details. I mean, we could. I'm, you know, we're, we're doing this in, in broad chunks and only a, you know, a handful of, of episodes. I mean, someone really could dive in and do this minute by minute. And I know that there's a, there's a, there's a couple of folks that are doing, uh, you know, Muppet movies minute by minute. I don't know if, if any of them have done uh, the Christmas Carol and if not, they should. I'll put, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll put that out there. There you go. Uh, so Brian, any any closing? Th- well, uh, sorry, I, Jonathan, did you have anything to add? Uh, yeah. On on this section of the film, or or Muppet Christmas Carol in general? I, I don't think so. I think we, I think we already kind of covered the you know between Scrooge and this one, the kind of the believable <laughs> Scrooge story. Mm-hmm. I think I think that is nice because even though the Christmas Carol is kind of a staple of the, you know the the Christmas time, um, I I do. I do remember, you know, watching some version. I don't know what version it was, but just mm-hmm. just knowing this story and Scrooge gets to the end and he sees he basically comes to reality that he's going to die someday. And I realize that that can mess with people and that mm-hmm. can kind of change some things. But at the same time, it always felt like like oh, he's just being nice to everybody because he he's trying not to die or you know, it's like I don't know. <laughs> But I, so it is nice to have versions where it's actually like a believable transition. You know, you kind of, you kind of, like you said, you see the path out and, and the way back in, and uh, yeah, that's it's it's good to have versions that uh, actually make sense to me, I guess. Yeah, and and in reading just a little bit about Christmas Carol was um, like I didn't really realize or think about it that Charles Dickens Christmas Carol really shaped the way that we celebrate Christmas today. A lot of the traditions and things that he brought forth um, in his story, you know, was kind of bringing the traditions and celebrations down to, you know, people celebrating in their homes, you know, and and bringing back some of the old traditions um, that people weren't doing so much anymore. And, Mm -hmm. And they've, you know, a lot of them have just kind of morphed into, you know, how we said how we celebrate Christmas today and the different traditions that we have. So I thought that was really interesting. 
Yeah, I I had read that that the the idea of sort of Christmas Day as a day-long celebration kind of we do that because of Charles Dickens that like it at, at you mm-hmm. know you know contemporary for when he wrote this people would have celebrated you know maybe they went to church in the morning or something like that they would have observed it you know somehow but then the rest of the day they may have been a little late to work but then they'd go to work or they'd go about their business as as usual it wouldn't be a, an all-day celebration that it would later become and yeah I've, I've read something similar that it's it's a, in a large part because of the portrayal of um the Cratchit family getting together and uh you know and Scrooge's nephew and and seeing them celebrate Christmas as as Dickens portrays it so yeah this is really uh you know one of the important works of fiction in western culture mm-hmm. and uh you know one of the probably one of the one of the best known characters in in Scrooge you know, the way you say Scrooge and, and most people are going to know what you're talking about. Right. Um, yeah. That's for sure. So Brian, any, any last thoughts on, uh, on chunk number one of the film? Yeah, well, I mean, I, like I said, I, I, I do like the Muppets. Don't get me wrong, but I, I think, <laughs> I think the setting, the tone, the atmosphere, all that, the story, I, I would put all that above the Muppets being in this for me. It's a good movie. I like the movie, but the Muppets might be the least thing that I need out of this. So, so what I mean, yeah, I, well, I think, I think what we're going to, what we're going to be seeing throughout the episodes of this podcast is Brian going on his own Scrooge like journey. That's and by right. the end, he's going to be buying us all hey, giant gooses. And that's right. The goose, the goose. <laughs> oh, we, we probably should say uh, before we're done here that uh, that song that you mentioned that is deleted in some versions. Mm-hmm. We yeah. are okay with that in our household. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So so you like um, when love is gone? No, we we oh, are like okay with not having the song. Oh, you're, like, <laughs> you're okay with not having the song. Okay. Yeah. It definitely. Uh, you know, I'd read that they deleted that because, mm-hmm. or Disney wanted it deleted or whatever. They thought that it was going to bore children. It mm-hmm. did bore our children because I think that song was, <laughs> that song was on our VHS, right? I mean, yeah. it was actually in there. So, um, so yeah. And our kids would be like, uh, it's time to go get a snack. <laughs> and we're just like, oh my goodness. How much longer is this song? <laughs> okay. So you're okay with the cut. So I, I- <laughs> Okay with the cut. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll get into it. We're going to have a special deleted scene episode just talking about that song. But I will say um, both versions are available. And what you want to look for is if it's – and they go back and forth. Some I, I haven't checked any of the streaming services yet. Some of the sources I say – I've seen say that the streaming services have the – you know, have the theatrical release – which is shorter and has cut that song. And then some say they have, no, it's, it's the TV version. Um, the, the disc I have, fortunately the the 2005 DVD has got both and it's, but it's the, so the widescreen version is the theatrical release does not have uh, that, that song from the, the Christmas past section, but then the, uh, the pan and scan, the square screen or the four by three screen version is the television version that has the song put back in. So I do have it both ways. I just have to decide, do I want to see 
a square picture on my now widescreen TV or do I want to see the, <laughs> the version that fills the whole screen with picture? <laughs> um, so, so both versions are out there if you look and if, if, if your version, if your home version doesn't have it, it's also on YouTube. And what we hear from a lot of people talking to some people, it, I guess it depends on um, on kind of where you saw the, the film first. As I said, it wasn't, it got cut for the theatrical release, but then it got put back in the TV version. And then if you bought the VHS, if you had it on tape, you had the song put in. And like, so my wife never saw it in the theater. She only knows it from the tape version. And then we were watching it recently or maybe it was last year kind of preparing for the, the podcast we were watching it and she's like wait a second isn't there supposed to be a song there yeah i think i think it was the first time where she watched it on disc versus the tape and she's like wait something you know i feel like something's missing and you know, you know she's you. not yeah the the first time that we watched it uh we had no idea that there was a version where the song was gone <laughs> and i'm pretty sure that we looked at each other and just smiled like oh yes what oh that's kind of that <laughs> moving on <laughs> but it is kind of uh, strange to not have the song like that scene is the scene is shorter mm -hmm. I, I guess you'll talk about it when it gets to it yeah. but, but yeah, yeah. We, we'll, we'll talk about it. what yeah okay yeah. so all right well so th thanks again or thank, I think I thanked you already, but I'll thank you. I'll thank you. And then I'll thank you again. You're welcome again. Uh, You're most welcome. Tabitha and Jonathan for, for joining us for this holiday tradition, talking about this great film. If folks want to hear you hear more from you, hear you talk about other, other films and other things, where can they find you? Uh, yes. Uh, Princess Bride Minute. That's all done. You can listen to all of that. UHF 62nd is, uh, even no matter when, when you're listening to this, I can't promise that it's going to be done. So um, you can listen to whatever we've got out there. And it's fun. What's out there is fun. I can yeah. say that I haven't been on it yet. But when it comes back, I think I'm on the first episode when it comes back. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> same with the... Uh, Actually, same with a couple other shows that we've recorded before. Like when they come back, we're probably the, yeah, the first in the Jones minute when they come back, we're the first ones. Yeah, there you that. go. You'll when they come back, you'll be there. Yeah, yeah we'll so a, there. A, cool. a couple great films and and the Princess Princess Bride, another great fairy tale of a fantastic world of of wonder and whimsy, just like the Muppet universe is. So I would encourage people to watch watch the Princess Bride, listen to the podcast. Check out UHF, um, the film and the podcast, and it's all good. Any any closing thoughts, well wishes, Brian? Anything you want to say? Uh, no, everything. <laughs> no, you just want to be left alone. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, 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 like we will get into this. Yeah. Bah humbug. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everyone for joining us. Thank you listeners for listening. We're Next Scene Podcast, nextscenepod.com, and at next scene pod on all the, uh, the social medias. Uh, let us know about what are your favorite Muppet traditions. You can, you can reach us, um, can kind of join the conversation at the jelly of the month club is our Facebook listener group and only three more sleeps until part two of the Muppet Christmas Carol. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us. God bless us, everyone. The love we found. The love we found. 
with us, so we're never quite alone.